has your cultural background influenced your approach to money? Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a podcast where we have nuanced conversations about money, business, and life, where we take the time to explore the human side of money because success with money is never just about the numbers. I'm your host, Jaquette Timmons, and I'm really, really glad that you are here with me today. So whether this is your very first episode or one of many, thank you again. And before we dive into today's episode, I know that I have extended several invitations to explore working with me, whether it is in a one-on-one coaching capacity or joining me for the Pricing Made Human Pricing Masterclass that I host biannually. But I don't think I have ever done an episode to actually take the time to describe what it is like to work with me. So stay tuned for an upcoming episode where I will do just that. But in the meantime, let's get into today's show. Perhaps one of the biggest unintended consequences of the Fonnie Willis trial in Georgia is the cultural case that it made for something I say all the time. And that is that money is not monolithic. Quick backstory. My book, Financial Intimacy, How to Create a Healthy Relationship with Your Money and Your Mate, it came out in 2009. When I wrote it, I set out to explore the intersection of romantic love and money. And I was particularly interested in how the dynamics of this intersection have changed given the political, economic, social, cultural, and familial changes from the 1960s through the mid-2000s. And the same social critics hat that I tapped into to write my book, the one that recognizes the multifaceted dimensions of money, Well, that is how I watched some of Mrs., or I should say Ms., Willis's and her father, Mr. Lloyd's testimonies, especially with regard to keeping cash in the house, always having money on you, and the direct and indirect messaging of not relying on a man for your financial security. (sighs) And two things angered me. One was the way in which the opposing counsel questioned her and her father, who, by the way, is also a lawyer, about their handling of cash. Two, the way some people just lost their ever-loving minds on Twitter and X about the practices that they both described. And I got angry because the questions that were asked without being said which were also the sentiment behind many of the social media posts that I read, had a very particular tone to them. It really sounded a little something like, how can you have so much money? Or why would you ever keep that amount of money in a cash box instead of depositing it in a bank? Or why would you need to have just-in-case cash during a date? I listened to Ms. Willis as she recounted what her daddy told her. I listened as Mr. Lloyd shared his experience with financial discrimination and how that shaped 
what he told and taught his daughter. And in doing all of that, I recalled the many conversations my mother had with me about money. I'm sure I have shared this in previous episodes, but I'll share it again. And my mother opened a savings account for me when I was very young and made me deposit, um, again, as I've shared before, 50% of any money that I got as gifts from babysitting or even from my after-school job when I started working at the mall as a teenager. She taught me how to write checks when I was about 11 or so and would even let me sometimes, quote unquote, pay the bills. She always said that if I got married, I should have my own account. And <laughs> she even went so far as to suggest I have a secret account. And she said that I should always go on a date with money in my pocket so that if necessary, I could pay for my own dinner or for my own way home. Today's version of that is never leaving my house without my ATM card or my credit cards and a fully charged phone. And when she died, I found cash in all sorts of places in her house. So I listened to those portions of the trial, nodding along with what I can only describe as a cultural understanding. And this is one of the many reasons why I stand proudly on my soapbox about money not being monolithic. It is why I wholeheartedly believe that it is so darn important to factor in nuance when talking about money in general, and more specifically, when talking about people's financial prowess and what they do or don't do with their money, along with the things that influences their why. And please don't come at me. Yes, I know women of other ethnic groups got similar messages about money as Ms. Willis and me. But when it comes to Black people, whatever we do or don't do, it is deeply personal and profoundly influenced by a complex interplay of historical, social, economic, and systemic factors as well as cultural and familial values and contemporary realities. And this happens to be true regardless of the variances in our socioeconomic, educational, and professional backgrounds. And from what I saw at the hearings and the posts that I read on Twitter slash X, there are a whole bunch of people who either don't know about this complex web that affects the experiences of Black people when it comes to money, or worse, they don't want to acknowledge it. And that's unfortunate, because even if your upbringing regarding money was vastly different from Ms. Willis's or mine, your family told you and taught you some things about money, too. You also got messages via your cultural background, either explicitly or implicitly. So no, the intersection of culture and money doesn't just have a profound impact on Black people, obviously, because just like money isn't monolithic, neither is culture. And we can even go so far as to say that this is true within cultures as well. Yet, there is no escaping the power of culture and how it, like money, is something that is dynamic, multifaceted, and shapes every aspect of human life. 
It impacts everyone and every cultural group just differently. Your family and cultural background often play a huge role in who you trust, when you trust them, from people and institutions, and why you trust them. It shapes the judgments that you make regarding other people's choices, attitudes, knowledge, expectations, and they you. It's why in large measure you make the choices that you make. Fundamentally, culture is the lens through which you perceive the world, interact with others, and make meaning of your individual experiences. Culture is why I could relate all too well to what was shared by Ms. Willis regarding what her father told her and taught her about money. And it is also why so many others could not. And this is precisely why I say culture is another reason why money is personal. It provides a sense of identity and belonging, shaping our understanding of who we are, where we come from, and how we relate to others. It plays a significant role in shaping our self-concept and social connections. And it also provides the framework through which we process information, problem solve, and make decisions and choices. Culture reflects the biases and stereotypes that shape how we perceive individuals or groups from different cultural backgrounds. It shapes our values, priorities, and goals in terms of what we deem important, desirable, and meaningful. Yes. I was offended by the line of questioning when it came to how a family handled or handles cash. But by gosh, the testimonies of Ms. Willis and Mr. Lloyd were the perfect example of what it looks like when culture and money intersect. And you know, I will let you in on a little secret. Sometimes I, yes, I am self-conscious about repeatedly saying that you and I have a relationship with money or that money is never just about the numbers or that money isn't monolithic. However, as you can probably tell, I am even more energized to continue saying what I say, doing what I do and doing it in the way that I do it. Well, that is it for today, folks. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to show appreciation for this episode or for this podcast in general, please share it so that we can reach more people. And if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave a rating and a review because when we do read them, but also it helps with the algorithm and that just helps with our standings and all that other good stuff. And if you happen to be tuning in from YouTube, please leave a comment below and thank you for doing that. And as always, if you'd like to buy me a coffee, here's how you can do that. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. I'll be back with another episode and I hope you will too. Until then, remember, it's about more than money. Mm -hmm.